Jessica. Yes. Do you know what day it is? Just wait one second. I have a feeling that it it might just be Special Lady Day. Ooh, it is. Okay, Jessica, you had a story right. to tell me. Um, Listen, we're going to embrace the darkness, Caitlin. Actually, because we kind of are today. There's a theme. We we'll just get are. to the theme. We're both there. We're going to yeah. get to the theme, but let's just be real about it. I've had a very tiring day, but I'm here, you're- and I'm giving it my all. And you're in a really, like, uh, you're in a really great shirt that says, I dressed up a bit for this. Thank you. Would it excite you to know that it is actually a dress? That even better. Oh, well, then congratulations on the surprise. (laughs) I, as soon as I, if I'm wearing a dress, as soon as I get inside my house, it's, I'm not wearing it anymore. Because I'm like, that is outside house clothes. (laughs) I totally understand that. And I support that 100%. I will say for myself, I sometimes forget because I have cultivated a wardrobe for work that is essentially dressy pajamas. Mm, yes. And when I come home, I'm like, am I in pajamas? Am I in my work clothes? I don't know. Only our dress code can tell. Basically, me. you're America's greatest illusionist. I am Chris Angel. You, David Blaine. Of work <laughs> attire. I really hope Chris Angel is a magician because I'm saying that and I am not feeling confident. If he isn't, we'll just make, um, I want to make his website. I don't know. Okay, I'm seeing great. lots of like photoshopped wings in hand. Oh my God. Perfect. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll circle back and find yeah. out if Chris Angel is real. But to go deeper into the horror, um, wait, no, sorry. Hold on. I. I just have a really quick side note about Tell- magicians. Yeah, I want to hear it all the time. <laughs> okay, perfect. One time my baby sister, who's not a baby, she is an adult woman, uh, she she's always giving me really good recommendations for things to watch and to read and mm-hmm. listen to, etc. She's very cool. She's very hip. Much she cooler really than me. She has really good taste. She has great taste. And one day she was like, you know what show you got to watch? And oh my God, I wonder if I can remember the name right now. But it was like Magic Secrets Revealed. And it was the actor from the X-Files. Oh, the bald guy. No, No. that one. So yeah, the guy on the X-Files who's bald, who they go into his office and they're always in trouble. Anyway, he had a show where it was about revealing magicians' tricks and they take you through it and it's so cheesy and i'm not telling anyone how to live and sobriety is a great choice but if you were perhaps a little warm and fuzzy on the inside maybe just a little bit tipsy it's a joyride of excitement is what i'm saying it's a very that sounds great i don't think magician assistants also by the way spoiler alert they do all of the work the like beautiful women that are like hopping in and out of boxes it's all them these, like, dudes put on a lot of black eyeliner and flip their arms around, and they're getting paid so much money. Anyway, the point is... I feel is, like that you always, we always circle back to inequity somehow. It's Even our fun anecdotes. About, I'm like, you know what's hilarious? The wage gap. What we're here to talk about, though, is a story oh, that you sure. wanted to tell me. Yes. That we... Well, no, you, you take it away. Okay, Caitlin, so this is a story that I have been just chomping at the bit for us to discuss for more reasons than one, Mm -hmm. because as you know, you were there, I was there too. We recorded a Halloween episode. It was a spooky delight. And while we were getting ready for it and recording it, we were like, oh, do we have any personal spooky stories? Mm -hmm. And I was like, and you were like, we definitely don't. And Mm -hmm. let's just proceed as normal. And then the day after we recorded, the night before Halloween, you text me and you're like, um, hey, how did we not talk about the night we both spent in a haunted house together? (laughs) So how did we forget? (laughs) How did we forget? And more importantly, how did I block it out entirely because of trauma? Clearly. Yeah. So take it away from here. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So and this was... um. And it, the cool, th- yeah, the cool thing was, maybe you said this, but it was like exa- the day I remembered it, it was exactly three years to the day. <gasps> maybe it's so going back. Creepy. So um, we were having, our friend was house sitting. Um, so this was at a house that none of us 
live at would have any That's excuse right. to go back to. Um, but our friend, I think, had like nannied for the kids or there was some kind of connection where she'd been at the house quite a bit. So we go over and it's with our friend, our wonderful friend, Jessica. There are two <laughs> Jessicas in my life. Yeah. Sometimes when I talk about you guys, you become plural and you're the Jessicas <laughs> as this like <laughs> unit of joyous friendship. That's amazing. Yes. Um, so yeah, so anyways, it was us and then I think her sister and, um, we all come over and our friend Jessica has this like very matter of fact way of talking about supernatural or scary things. Cause I've yeah. definitely, I've been in a different haunted house with her and have been terrified and she needs to come on and tell that story at some point. Oh my gosh, um, maybe yes. next Halloween. Cause ooh, she, I, her ghost story is the ghost story I retell when we get around and tell um, spooky stories. But yeah, so our friend, we come over and we're like talking and hanging out. I don't know. We're probably like having a glass of wine. And some, I remember mm-hmm. there was just this room with a lot of snacks. It was great. And then Jessica's like, Natural. oh yeah, so um, like we're all going to sleep upstairs. Uh, it's definitely haunted. And I think you and I are like maybe not at each other's eye. Le- like we can't see in each other's line of sight. We can't look at each other. I think we're both just like, cool, okay. And the way our friend Jessica, like, narrates things, you just move on to the next thing, right? Because she's so matter-of-fact. So it's like, oh, yeah, the ghost is upstairs anyway, like, these wonderful crackers we're eating. (laughs) And so I think that's also why you and I, like, didn't really – because we didn't really talk about it. Um, I think we had, like, a 10-minute conversation the next day. So we're having fun. We all end up going to bed, and you and I are sharing a room, Uh and our friend Jessica is sharing a room with her sister. And I remember her saying again something about, like, oh, yeah, the ghosts will turn on the lights at night. And I was just like, cool, okay. And um, I remember being really – and you and I were staying in this little kid's room. Do you remember that? Oh my god, the fancy, fancy... It was the fanciest kids' room. It was like a kids' room in a movie where the people are supposed to be normal, but they're ridiculously wealthy. Yes. Yes. Exactly. You know, like, the entire thing was, like, uh, outer space-themed, so all the oh walls were black, and it had all these glowing stars, and, like, every inch of the room was covered in stuffed animals. Oh my god, that's right. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. I do. And so you and I literally just kind of like sank into this pile of stuffed animals and there was a bed in there somewhere. <laughs> um, and I remember being really scared because I think the, the our door was cracked open. Uh-huh. That was it. And I remember looking at the door and thinking, not really feeling anything super spooky, but just thinking like, uh, A, I'm glad to be with you. Uh-huh. And I don't think we said anything to each other. I think we were doing this like cognitive dissonance thing. Sure. Yeah, and I think Jessica had said something like, yeah, the ghost is in the hallways. And so I was like, oh, God, like, why is our door open a crack? But you and I managed somehow to fall asleep. Um, But I remember waking up at, like, 3 or 4 in the morning and just looking at that door and seeing that light on and just being like, fuck. (laughs) Um, And again, not saying anything to you. And then we survived the night. Nothing happens. But the next day, we had just, like, checked in with our friend's sister. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, all this weird stuff happened last night. And she basically said, like, there was something with, like, she felt like someone was, like, sitting on the bed or in the bed or something. And in the morning, she heard this little voice whisper in her Uh -uh. ear, wake up. No. (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I literally think we probably talked about it over coffee and then just moved on. You know, like I was really skeptical in our Bell Witch thing, but it's just not the kind of friends. Jessica, neither Jessica nor her sister is the kind of friend who would play a prank on you like that. They're just not. They're not those kind of people. God, that's not like their (laughs) language of friendship. So I'm like, how did that light go on? Why? It could could it be an electrical thing? Maybe, but I I don't know. Mm. That house felt haunted to me. Well, the moral of the story, dear listeners, is um, I will black out any terrifying supernatural event. And also, Caitlin, unfortunately, I think the moral for you 
unbeknownst to you is that if anything scary had happened, I would have deserted you in that bedroom. Um, I am a fleer <laughs> okay. in the okay. fight or flight world, <laughs> and I have abandoned friends in time of crisis several several okay. times. So at least we know it. Yeah. Yeah. I will just be re- – I'm going to work and practice on my reflexes Great. to just reach out and grab you. Right, because um, I will desert you. Yeah. Well, no, it was funny because I was just thinking, <laughs> I was like, maybe Jessica will be the perfect person to be in any kind of scary situation <laughs> with because we'll pretend it's not happening. Yes, she will. We'll just be like, oh, wow, look at this bedroom. And then suddenly they're like demons. Or what was it in the Bell Witch? Like somebody gnawing? No. I kept thinking about that. Like. I just, that was the thing that I was like, this is terrible. The sound of somebody gnawing on the side of your bed. Oh, Caitlin. Caitlin. Okay. (laughs) We have to move on because I have to go to bed tonight. And I I already had to survive the Bell Witch once. (laughs) I'm sorry. It is not Spooky Lady Day. It's Special Lady Day. Well, guess. Let's get to it. Shall we get to it? I think we better. Okay. Because let me tell you one, two, three things. I'm excited. Tell me, tell me that entire numbered <laughs> list of things. I'm excited to hear about your special lady. I'm excited to share about yeah. my special lady. I'm so excited. Um, I don't want to out the text that you sent to me earlier, but you did mention that you had started crying during your research. I too started crying yeah. during my research, so the tears have been yep. flowing. And I think, yeah, yeah, it was like the obligatory weeping <laughs> while writing my <laughs> notes has begun. Perfect. <laughs> So, yeah. And you go first this time. Is there anything else that we need to tie up before we jump so. into a world of matriarchal excitement? Yeah. Oh, it is a world of matriarchal excitement today. No. Um, everybody, thanks for continuing to listen. It's oh, yeah. really cool. Oh, We yeah. love it. Um, you guys are great. Yeah. And we're excited that you're here. And we're about to tell you about some cool ladies. Oh, uh, quick shout um, out to your mom, though. Yeah. Great comments. Oh, yeah. Really nailing it. Yeah, my mom has been leaving us some really kind comments. It's the cutest. That are all, like, really specific compliments <laughs> about the things she likes that we're doing. And sometimes she's the only commenter. <laughs> and it still makes me really happy. So it's, thanks, mom. Yeah. I really appreciate your support. Number one special <laughs> lady in your life. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and actually this week um, she's recovering from a minor surgery. And so she was like, I don't know what to do. I just have to lay down. And I was like, there's another episode of Special Lady Day. And she was like, yeah. So that was really cute. We'll recover fast. So I hope that Spooky Lady Day. Yeah, I hope Spooky Lady Day helped. Um, Okay. I think, though, I need to tell you guys about the mood that I'm in. Okay. That I think you're into, actually, before we get started. Um. When we talk on Tuesday, it'll be a totally new week. We'll be in completely different emotional places. Um, but today, when we're recording, is um, a Wednesday. I almost told everyone it was Tuesday. It's a Wednesday, and we just had an election in Washington State, and it was actually kind of crappy. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're both kind of bummed out. Yeah. And also, um, yeah, like nationally, hey, th- great things are going on, but just there are a couple really um, important things that didn't... Um, we won't get into it but it's just one of those days where you wake up and you're like dang yeah (laughs) this sucks and um so i was already moody and then actually yesterday i was really really moody because um i've been listening to a lot of coverage about you know the upcoming presidential election even though it's like a million years away um and I've been listening to, like, a lot of analysis about electability. Oh, yes. That old yeah. misogynist trap. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just, you know, looking at polls and I I was, like, listening to some news reports about, like, people polling about different candidates and just kind of realizing that, like, nationally, it's really hard for people to like women and you ask them why and they can't explain it except for the fact that they're a woman. And that drives me insane. Yeah. And it makes me really mad. As it should. As it should. <laughs> I had this low moment where I was like, will someone else's misogynistic views affect my own choices? Right. Like, will I be part of the problem? Anyways, I was getting really low. It made that. me really mad. I hear um, that. And actually, it was interesting. I'm just going to anecdote it up even more. But um, I was listening to June Diane. Raphael? I'm going to say her name oh, wrong. It looks her. like Raphael. It she is. says it differently. I think it's Ra- Raphael. Raphael? 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Raphael. Anyways. I love her. Um, it looks like Raphael. Um, but she was talking to my favorite podcast, Unladylike, who is really cool. Um, and they were asking her what her most unladylike quality is because that's kind of their thing mm-hmm. is like breaking down the definitions of what it means to be a lady. She's talking about anger and how that's her most unladylike quality. And today, as I was stewing in my own anger, I was like, isn't anger the most universal female quality? Mm. Like, isn't that what we constantly live with all the time, deep down, simmering on the inside? And we have a cheery smile on our face. Isn't that just a mask? We're feeling very angry at all times. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So anyways, uh, that, that feeling of kind of just like frustration and anger led me to my special I have a list of ladies that I kind of aspire Mm. to do on this podcast and of course I went for a story that includes queens plural love it lady martial artists and women riding to battle on elephants okay now we're talking this is the story of the true sisters ah yes I needed to get, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not going to do women in war. I did Nori.com. And then I was like, nope, we're going back to the battlefield. We're back in. I'm feeling lots of strong feelings. I love it. So we're back with some warrior ladies. We're doing the Tring Sisters. I do want to, A, acknowledge my sources, um, and B, just give you a note that this story does discuss a suicide. It's very different than the way we talk about it now, and it is also kind of like a rumor. But if you don't want to hear about that, just skip ahead. Um, maybe 15 minutes. Also, my sources, Britannica, ThoughtCo, and especially Dr. Callie Shizponsky and Encyclopedia.com. Um, also, there's a good Stuff You Missed in History class podcast about it as well. And I looked and we use some of the same sources. So Awesome. Anything we cover, just go. If you're like, I want to know more, go to Stuff You Missed in History and they have one about it. Yeah. And it's also all women doing it. Um, so anyways, there's always the stuff you miss in history class, and they're so wonderful. So um, turn to them if you want more. Um, so we're going way back in time. I think this is the farthest back <gasps> in time Ooh. we've gone on this podcast so far. So we are going to the years 34 through 43 AD. Oh, my gosh. In Vietnam. Okay. So what's going on in the world at the time? I think the Roman Empire is still doing its thing. If Jesus existed, he died only 34 years before. So think about like all, it's really a long time ago. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The medieval ages hasn't even started yet. Nobody knows what it is. I don't even think Islam exists yet. Um, So let's talk about the Troon sisters. Mm. I'm going to do the best I can with all this pronunciation. Um, Just a little in a nutshell, who are they? They're heroines of the first Vietnamese independence movement. And they led a rebellion against the Chinese Han Dynasty overlords, of which they were the rulers. They established their own autonomous Vietnamese state thousands of years before Vietnam ever was able to gain its independence. Wow. Yeah. And I learned just so much about Vietnam. And like what we're going to learn is that it was a really matriarchal country. Hmm. And had China not taken over, it would have probably stayed that way. We're going to talk about uh, the Chinese dynasty at the time and also just kind of the actions of the Chinese government in general. In this story, and what I want to really make a difference between is we may be criticizing the actions of the government, but in no way are we criticizing people from China. So we know that the Trung sisters took part in a rebellion, but like, why did we even need a rebellion to begin with? What was happening in Vietnam and China um, that kind of caused this? In 111 B.C., Han China decided to impose political and cultural rule over Vietnam. Um, and a lot of this has to do with trade. Vietnam Vietnam was a very like resource-rich area, and the area that we're gonna be talking about has a really important river delta. Okay. Um, so ports and things like that. So it's a really strategic position okay. um, for China. And so essentially what China did is they took their own governors and they took over the local existing leadership at the time. Um, And so unlike the Vietnamese government and culture, the Han Chinese government was very hierarchical and it was also patriarchal. And this goes along with Confucius's philosophy, whereas the Vietnamese structure before had a very um, equal status between the sexes, Hmm. like women held political office and things like that. It was very equal. Yeah, women in Vietnam could serve as judges, soldiers, and even rulers. They had equal rights to inherit land and property. Um, But during this time, 
the Han dynasty kind of did this cultural assimilation tactic where they said, you have to assimilate to us politically, culturally, and socially. You have to speak our language. Just that kind of classic colonialism. Yeah. Okay, so with the Chinese culture and also the adaptation of Confucianism um, in Vietnamese society, women suddenly became subordinated to their husbands. The husbands possessed all the property rights. They were permitted to take a second wife if the first wife failed to produce a son. And women were no longer allowed in leadership positions and they were no longer allowed to take civil service exams. And I kind of love, like, I think about, like, 43 AD and I'm like, oh, they have civil service exams. fantastic. (laughs) I know. I was just like, oh, I guess that's a thing. Like, I guess you had to take an exam to be a leader. Uh, It's just, I don't know. It's just those things that are, like, bureaucratic that exist throughout time. Here we have now, within this environment, this kind of toxic environment, um, we have the Trung sisters that were born, and their names were Trak and Ni. Uh, and so the pair were probably born around year 1 AD or CE Common Era, which is pretty cool. Like, born on year 1. They didn't, it probably wasn't year 1 to them. But um, anyways, it's kind of cool. That's amazing. So at this time, resentment of Chinese rule was kind of beginning to build because the Chinese administrators started to exact more taxes and increase control on the local lack lords. And what that is, is like the native Vietnamese who are the landed mm. aristocracy mm. because they had their own rules, their own ways of governing, right. and they had their own kind of aristocracy and royalty. And so the true uh, sisters were daughters of a lack lord, um, the chief of a village of Mi Lin, uh, and their mother's name was Ba Man Tien, and she was reputed for being a sen- descendant of the Hung kings. And so these were the lineage. I think there were like 15 kings that kind of date back to like the most ancient of Vietnamese civilization. Oh, wow. And so they were descendants of them. Um, actually, kind of like in Yat Khan in a way, like being a descendant of royalty, yeah. kind of having this lineage. And so they were brought up with this huge sense of Vietnamese patriotism and also the love of, like, military arts. Uh, so they were taught to be strong and independent. They were taught martial arts as well. What? Yeah, and it's even rumored that Trung Track, the eldest sister, killed a white tiger. Tigers are always getting killed on this podcast. I'm so sorry. What? <laughs> uh, which, uh, yeah. And white tigers in the region uh, were known for being invincible. And so she's oh like, God. I have issues with my cats. Yes. I have trouble handling my cats. So imagine trying to defeat a giant tiger. I can't get my cat. How would you go about that? To like not scratch at the door. Like, that's basically what I'm working with here, too. Yeah. So I can't imagine being like, well, time to defeat something larger than me with claws and heavy coat. And giant teeth. I always forget about the teeth, but they're really huge. Yeah. Yeah, And those paws that are, like, as big as your face. Anyways. So um, just the biggest badass around. And so this is where the Confucian Chinese government really effed up, is um, they couldn't have ever imagined envisioned ever in their wildest dreams that a woman would ever pose a threat to their rule. They were focused on the men. That was their huge mistake. mistake. Okay. Yeah. Because let me tell mm, I'm having feelings about it. I know, right? <laughs> um, and I feel like we're still having these feelings. Yep. See, this is where you can see my rage coming in. Quiet Caitlin rage as she goes throughout the day. <laughs> Just being mad at everything. And you're so Um, pleasant, so it's even more terrifying to conceive of. I want to encourage that anger. I know. It's really productive. And that's kind of what um, Raphael said, um, is that she was like, I've learned how to channel it. And I think Special Lady Day is part of that, right? We're like doing something, and it feels Mm -hmm. good. Back to Trung, who was also doing a lot of shit. Okay. So we're picking up in 39 A.D., and um, Trung Track has this, she has this really interesting relationship with uh, her husband. He's a noble as well. Um, and from what I read, like, they got married, but they decided to live in their own separate houses and do their own thing, oh. which I'm just like, oh, so modern. 
<laughs> They're just like, we're going to rule and be this power couple. Um, and clearly he had his head in the right place. So he lodged a protest about the Chinese increasing taxes. It's so surprising because like a lot of their rhetoric reminds me in a couple ways of like the U.S. revolution. So it's just so funny, like things happen in cycles. Like uh, so, yeah, so there was an increase in tax in taxes. Um, and so he was really mad about that. He created this protest, like standing up for the people. Um, and unfortunately the Chinese government governor, um, of that area had him executed for creating this protest. Yeah. So yeah, so he was assassinated. Um, and it's so funny because the Chinese didn't expect this young widow to do anything except go into seclusion to go mourn her husband. Guess what? She goes full John Wick on their asses. <laughs> She's like, I see revenge. That is the only thing I see. And I'm going to keep fighting with nothing else in sight until I get my revenge. So she literally like puts aside her grief. She doesn't wait for their funeral rites. And she literally rips off her full traditional morning headdress. And she's like, let's go to battle. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. She's like, you do not fuck with me. No. So she gets her sister because she's like Lady Power. She gets her sister, um, Trung Ni. Um, she rallies the nobles and the peasants. She raises the flag of revolt and they go to battle. Oh. And so she calls together her troops to battle with this oath. And these are her words. She says, I swear first to avenge the nation. Second, to restore the Hoom's former position. Third, to have revenge for my husband. And fourth, to carry through to the end of our common task. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) I just kind of want to have that on a really nice plaque that I look at every once in a while. I don't know, man. Get ready. There are so many more badass quotes. Um, So anyways, with this kind of rally cry... She gets, um, she raised over 8,000 fighters, and many of them were women. They were these, like, women warriors. So, um, before the battle, this young general who I think can, I'm taking this contextually. I don't really understand why he asked this, but I think he asked that the army wear mourning clothes, kind of as the signal Mm. of, like, we are mourning our leader, her husband. Mm. Um... But Track dismissed this idea, and this is what she said. She said, this is a battle. If we are presenting ourselves in mourning, the spirit of fighting would diminish. I will wear my best armor to encourage our fighters to weaken our enemies. Not till I capture Lian Liao said it all, and Governor Su Ting will I allow myself to salute the flags and begin the funeral. Oh my god. So she's like, no, 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 we're getting to business. There is like none of this PR bullshit. We are fighting. Um, But, okay, this is where we get um, a little bit of fun, though, with outfits. This is going to be, like, the red carpet edition of what did she wear instead. Okay. Okay. Track donned her golden armor. Oh, bold move. Carved with a bird. Sure. Uh, She had a tight belt around her waist, imagining a bit of a high waist. Her buckle was adorned with little bells. And uh, legend has it that she was so beautiful and awesome, this, like, awesome vision that the Chinese soldiers were stopped in their tracks at the sight of her. <laughs> you know, I'll stop them in their yes. tracks, her amazing prowess. Okay, sorry, I keep going. Yeah, exactly. No, but she's just like, oh, look, I'm beautiful. And then slice, your head is gone. Literally, as they go to battle, she is flanked. First, her sister is next to her. And then on either side, they're flanked with these women's generals from the mountains and from the plains of Vietnam. Oh, my God. Yeah. Also, there's a legend. This probably isn't true, but I just am putting it in because it sounds so cool. Yeah. There's this legend that one of the commanders was pregnant. And so it is said that she gave birth in the middle of the battle, but she continued fighting with her newborn tied on her back. No! I know! <laughs> this feels like like a like a marvel movie of lady warriors and then you're like no at least some of this actually happened maybe not to the like pomp maybe not the live birth 
Yeah, but this is just crazy. These yeah. are real people. It's so cool. This is like what Marvel would do for optics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, ah, we got to get some women in or, there. Or Marvel would be like, no, that's too pandering to this, like, right. audience. <laughs> like, that can't happen. And then we have it in this wonderful legend and historical story. So, okay. Whoa. So the Trung sisters were victorious. They attacked the home of Su Ting, who um, was the Chinese governor at the time. Um, and it's actually, like, a story that apparently... Um, it's still really fun to tell, like a almost like a Vietnamese folklore story mm. um, about how he had to cut his hair and shave his beard and then disguise himself secretly to leave the country through a sewage line. Yeah. <laughs> so like the most shame possible. Um, he had to hide and kind of run with his tail between his legs to escape wow. them. So within the year, the sisters and allies took 65 northern citadels. Um, and in the year 40, um, at Meilin and the Lower Rid River Delta, so that's that important kind of port area, the Trung sisters jointly proclaimed themselves queens of an independent state. My God. That extended from southern China to the present site of Hu. I think it's Hu, H-U-E. Um, uh, so yeah. So they had a brief reign. Um, spoiler alert, things don't go well. Um because we know that Vietnam for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years did not have independence, <laughs> maybe right. until a couple decades ago. Um, right, right, so, yeah, right, uh, but they did enjoy a brief reign and they did some really cool things during that. They distributed the Chinese wealth to the poor, liberated prisoners and soldiers um, who had been drafted into the Chinese army. So they enjoyed two years of independence. Um, but the Chinese emperor caught wind of this and plotted his revenge. So he decided to take over the territory again. And this is Chinese Emperor Guan Yu, I think, Guan Gu. Um, and so he basically kind of what his deal is, is he reuni had reunified the country after the Western Han kingdom fell apart. Um, and he basically sent his best general to crush these queens. They're basically like, we're going to send in our top brass to get wow. these rebellious ladies, um, wow. which is like in a way kind of impressive that they pose such a threat. <laughs> right. Um, but it also doesn't bode well because, you know, like the Vietnamese army, they had been under the Chinese rule for like, what, 150-ish years. And so um, whereas the Chinese had these skilled, battle-hardened warriors. Wow. Um, but regardless, the Troon sisters met the Chinese army, uh, riding out to meet them on elephants in front of their own troops. Oh my God. I know. It's beautiful. I think, and cue all of the weeping. Yep. That's where it starts. <laughs> Earlier today, because this is such, in my head, it's such an image of power, right? right? These women in this gold armor, right. it's like... They know it doesn't look good, and they're going to keep fighting to the end. The crazy thing is, though, I read this in one source, and so I'm, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but apparently the battle lasted for more than a year, which oh is pretty crazy and pretty impressive, right? So the Chinese and Vietnamese fought. Eventually, they were defeated. And so this is where um, we have a couple different versions. Okay. In the Chinese historical version, the sisters were captured. In the Vietnamese version, kind of the more honorable version, according to them, is that rather than facing defeat, the sisters decided to commit suicide together by drowning themselves at the juncture, that river delta, between the Day and the Red Rivers. <sighs> It's one of those things where it's almost like a different kind of death, I think, about because it's it's caused by this dire situation in battle. Right. And you're like, I know it doesn't look good. I'd rather take my own life than let you take it. Right. So it's kind of this, like, last act of resistance. Eventually, the Trung, Trung sisters' battle was put down. The Chinese then clamped down their power really hard on Vietnam. Thousands of Trung supporters were executed and oh. Chinese soldiers remained to ensure China's dominance over the lands. Um, and Emperor Guanggu even sent settlers from China to dilute the rebellious Vietnamese. So basically like, oh my gosh. you'll go live there. Right. Generations and generations will happen and eventually 
years and years down the line, you will not feel as rebellious because you'll right. feel integrated into China. And this is actually a tactic that's still used by the Chinese government today um, in Tibet and basically keeping um, and China kept control of Vietnam until the year 939. Um, but then guess what happens? What? We have European colonialism. Spoiler. We have the Portuguese, we have the French, and then a couple <sighs> decades later, um, even like, not later, a couple decades before now, when we're recording in 2019, we have the U.S. Right. So this is really like hundreds and hundreds of years of foreign rule and foreign influence in Vietnam. I hadn't really known or understood that, so I can just only imagine how incredibly significant the independence of Vietnam is now. Um, <clears throat> I have this wonderful quote about their legacy, though. Um, and this is from, I'm in love with encyclopedia.com. It was a really Aww. good article. <laughs> and I wish it didn't have such a, like, generic name. But this is a quote from them. It says, whatever the final end, the spirit of the Trung sisters lives on in the soul of the Vietnamese. And this is so true. Because basically, the Trung sisters end up representing not only the Vietnamese, like, patriotic spirit against foreign invasion, but also this, like, female-led rebellion oh. that becomes consistent up until today, basically. And actually, the next major Vietnamese rebellion was led by a woman named Ba Triu, and she is often referred to as the Vietnamese Joan of Arc. Oh, so wow. let's put a pin in that for later. Yes. Because we need to do her. Um, but basically, like, the people at Vietnam refused to forget the Trung Sisters stories for nine centuries. Wow. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, they inspired generations of militant and courageous women fighters. Um, and actually, throughout history, Vietnamese women have enjoyed far greater rights and respect than their counterparts in other areas of the world and especially in Asia. Wow. So like Vietnam is still this like place of like equality. And I don't, again, I don't know a lot about current Vietnam. Maybe things are really bad there too, but like just in general trends have been much more equitable. Interesting. Um, according okay. to my sources. Yeah. Yeah. And so even like the Trung sisters are inspiring these Vietnamese people throughout the French colonists in the Vietnam war yeah, so a little bit about the Vietnam War. And again, like, I am not I'm not an expert in this. And I know it's like still a really like vulnerable and difficult subject for people in the US. Um, but Vietnam did have a large number of female soldiers in the Vietnam War. Hmm. Um, and so kind of taking on this tradition of fighting for your country. And so these women were known as the long haired troops and thousands and thousands of brave and dedicated women suffered during the war, brutal imprisonment and separation from their families to fight for their political ideals. And even now in Ho Chi Minh City, you can go to the Women's Museum and the walls are lined with photographs of women who fought and died for their cause. Uh, and the exhibit remains there, quote, so that the women of Vietnam will never be subservient to anyone. Oh. Yeah, and there's this really cool Vietnamese proverb that says... When the enemy comes, the women should also fight. Um, so in Vietnam today, the Trung's memory is honored with streets and schools and hospitals with their name. And um, there is a really cool Trung sisters temple outside Hanoi. Oh. And it's called Den Hai Ba Trung. I hope I'm saying it right. It was built in 1142. 11. So what? you're like, oh, the medieval age. Like, it's just how long ago this is blows my mind. Because I'll think about like, oh, Shakespeare was born like, oh, wait, what was it? Like 1500 years later oh, after God. their lives. So they're just like so progressive. Um, so anyways, uh, it was built in 1142, restored in the 19th and the 20th centuries. Um, and it is said that every year the two sisters return to stroll around the temple a statue shows the sisters kneeling with their arms raised and every year during the spring um and it's on the 16th day of the second moon don't know when that is but um people in vietnam celebrate the anniversary of their death and school children reenact the battle of the Trung sisters they sing songs and praise their heroic contribution to the fight for national dignity and independence that was the Trung sisters oh my god I know, they're so cool. Okay, I understand yeah. the weeping. 
I mean, I didn't misunderstand yeah. it, but whole. But then you're like, that's why. Yeah. That's, and they just make amazing. me feel better. And they are a balm for a lot of the crap. Mm-hmm. Caitlin. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Nailed Thank it. You. Here's the best part, though, Jessica. Mm. We only did mine. Oh. I'm so excited to hear oh, yours. I don't we know. We have another special lady. Well, we should stop with this special lady. There was two of them no. in one story. Two for one. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. I mean, imagine, like, growing up in Vietnam and having your hero be an ancient female warrior. Oh. Right? Yeah. I couldn't. You're really bringing the A game all the time, but bringing the A game in terms of these warriors. <laughs> Special ladies. <laughs> I like lady warriors. I want to branch out. I'm like, violence does not have to be part of being a special lady. In no. fact, I don't know any lady warriors. But they're pretty cool. And when it's dark outside and it's November and everything is toxic mas- masculinity around you 100%. You know, <sighs> it works. Well, I don't have a story about toxic masculinity. But. That's okay. I do have a story for you, Caitlin. A, I'm so ready. A special lady story about someone named, I don't know, I'm really leading into this super hard, someone named. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> yes. I would like to introduce you to a woman named Wilma Rudolph. The fastest woman in the world. Oh my god. I, I just got chills. Can't Wilma you... Rudolph, I haven't heard of you. I'm just imagining a blur as a person. <sighs> That's not a bad idea. Um, I'm gonna before I even get started with the story, I'm gonna give you a quote uh, mm-hmm. from my one of my sources, which I'm going to name in a moment, but this is how she was described when she was running. Watchers in the late 1950s and early 60s were admonished, don't blink. You might miss her, and that would be a shame. Oh my gosh. All right, well, here we go. I can sense some tears coming again. <laughs> so many <sighs> tears. Okay. Wilma Rudolph was born on June 23rd, 1940, in St. Bethlehem, Tennessee. She was the 20th of 22 children. From Whoa. two different marriages, two different marriages, oh. but still. <laughs> okay. And so. I'm assuming fathers yes. and not mothers. Father, okay. yes. Father, like, her, how does that How did that happen? Okay. Her father that had a lot of children. Two different marriages, but yeah. still. Any okay. way you look at it, lots of kids. Um, and, oh, how wait. How would you even, sorry, I'm just no, like, how fine. would you even stay in touch with all of them? Well, they didn't. I can't I, stay I, in touch with 20 friends. I know. One thing they did read was that they never all lived in the same house at the same time. Okay. Um, okay. But there was still I'm plenty sorry. of children there, like, all the yeah, time. I don't, I'm, and I don't mean to judge, like, a big family oh, no, no, sounds no. amazing. No, I'm no, just no. like, my head is It's hard to imagine. It's hard you to imagine. You can never fly anywhere. <laughs> So I'm going <laughs> to, no, that was amazing. Um, I'm going to reference my sources very quickly. Yes. So I have two articles. One that I drew the most from was from ESPN.com. That was where I got that last quote. And it's by an author named M.B. Roberts. And the article was called Rudolph Ran and World Went Wild. I also read a little write up on her from the National Women's History Museum, which hi we should go to that place. Let's oh, okay, find where is it? it. Let's I add don't it to our tour. Even know where it is, but we have to okay. go there. Uh Google and this it. was by Arlisha R. Norwood, a National Women's History Museum fellow in twenty seventeen. And then the last source that gave me a little bit of just more background um, was actually a wonderful video that I found on YouTube, part of a series that I wanted to tell people about. I'm not sure if she's going to do it again this year. I really hope so. And please forgive me for potentially saying your last name incorrectly. I apologize. Um, But it is a creator named Saren Sensei. And the last three years, including 2019 in February, which is Black History Month, she did a daily hidden figure video about um, 
to to go with Black History Month. And so you've got lots of cool videos you can check out. And she did a video on Wilma Rudolph. And she also has a Patreon and a book called So About That, A Year of Contemporary Essays on Race and Pop Culture. So we can link to all of that yeah, business yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but I just thought that was so cool. I just kind of stumbled upon it and was like, oh, wait, mm. what? There's Can't wait to look how at many? It. And this one on Wilma Rudolph was her 101st video. I was like, that's... Ugh totally amazing so anyway we will post all of that donate to her patreon buy her book do all of the things i just bought her book and i'm really excited so oh my gosh shout out to the sources let's get back to business so last we left her wilma rudolph had just been born she was the 20th <laughs> of 22 children it was june 23rd 1940 so she was premature when she was born she was only four and a half pounds and she had a great deal of difficulty with illness as a child. Mm. It's said that she spent the majority of her childhood in bed until about age 9 or 11. Um, She had double pneumonia, scarlet fever, and later she contracted infantile paralysis caused by polio at the age of 5. So even though she recovered from polio, she lost the use of her left leg basically oh my god and wore a le- she was wearing a leg brace until she was 12 years old i saw a little bit of discrepancy in the different places i looked with the ages like off a year in one way or another so feel free to correct me if someone who knows more wants to let us know always but the next part i thought was really interesting and i'd like to point out that and this doesn't surprise me when in a minute we're going to talk about the care that Wilma received to recover um, from this paralysis. And in the articles I read, it never described why she had to go so far away to get treatment. But the video that I listened to did describe it. And I Mm -hmm. think that this is really important. And so, again, I want to give credit to the Daily Hidden Figures video. This is almost a direct quote. Um, And I believe that... St. Bethlehem, where she was born, also is referred to as Clarksville. So I might kind of interchange both of those at different points. But what Seren says is that little medical care was available to black Americans in Clarksville, where they lived. And so Rudolph's parents took her 50 miles away to the Mahari Medical College in Nashville uh, for treatment. For two years, her mother and her did weekly bus trips to regain the use of her leg. So I just, it was this detail that I thought was really important to have in the context of everything that not only is this incredibly young child dealing with recovering from this illness and trying to find treatment and a large family and they were quite poor and her mother is a housekeeper. On top of that, (laughs) they're having to go super far away for two years just to get good treatment because it's not available to them. And I think we have to remember that in the context of this story. Um, And also just like the unfairness with medical care now, particularly for black women. um, Yes. They still have a higher death rate. Yep. Yeah. And is that what it's called? An infant mortality rate. Yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. And like mother mortality rate and things like Mm -hmm. that. Because, okay, maybe you're not making them drive two hours away, but your internal internalized bias is still there and it is Absolutely. influencing whether you believe that they're sick so Absolutely. Anyways, just wanted to mention that <laughs> yeah racism alive and well um one of the quotes that showed up a lot that i really loved she's got a few doozies this wilma um was my doctor told me i would never walk again my mother told me i would i believed my mother oh, oh uh, okay <laughs> i just god yeah okay anyway so she goes for two years this like basically 100 mile round trip once a week and when she comes home her family she talked a lot about having this big wonderful loving family and how great that that was and they would give her leg these massages to help treat it like all the time daily right and she is just like trying and trying trying and different levels of healing and ability By age eight, she could move without her leg brace. Oh, right. I don't think I mentioned this. She had a leg brace from five until like age eight. 
this big metal brace. So at age eight, she can move without it. And by age 11, she's playing basketball in her yard. So And okay, and the doctor had said she would never... Never walk again. Never walk again. Okay. Well, 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 well. Let's not tell Wilma Rudolph what to do. I just love that she knows not to listen to the big adult guy in the room. That's right. It can be so hard to not to not i think i just stopped listening to big adult guys like three years ago <laughs> that's right <laughs> anyway sorry keep going basketball yeah. basketball basketball she's like super into it um at the all african-american burt high school she played on the girls basketball team where her coach cc gray gave her the nickname skeeter because quote he said you're little you're fast and you always get in my way <laughs> oh so that's <laughs> affectionate she, like, and cute i know so she becomes an all-state player, sets a state record of 49 points in one game, and then Ed Temple comes calling. He is the Tennessee State track coach, and he asks Gray, the basketball coach, to form a girls track team so he can turn one of the forwards into a sprinter, and that forward was <gasps> Wilma Rudolph. And when asked about her natural ability to run, she couldn't explain it. She would just say, I don't know why I am so fast, I just run. Which well, and also natural ability. She worked at it, right? Like, she has right. been practicing running. She didn't yeah. just come up with this. She and actually walking. taught herself how to run again. Right. Um, but, okay, so she she's still in high school, but she okay. starts to attend daily college practices for the Tennessee State track team. They talk a little bit. I'm not going to go into it, but they talk a little bit about how tough this coach Temple was, how he made the girls run an extra lap for every minute they were late. And once she was 30 minutes late and she had to run 30 <gasps> extra laps, which oh four laps is a mile. So I just want you to put that into your head or it's 1600 meters, essentially. Um, and the next day she was at the track 30 minutes early. So I. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, but... can you subtract that from my life and my memory? <laughs> Right, right. But now we're going to go forward a little bit. So she's still in high school and she's competing at the collegiate level. And then she competes in the 1956 Olympic Games and wins a bronze medal in the 4x100 relay. So she's still, I believe she's still in high school at this point. She's like 16. Um, Oh, I should be able to. Yeah, she's 16. And wait, she started walking when she was 11? 12? Uh, Eight. Eight, oh, sorry. Okay. Okay. When she so kind of started walking. She's been like kind of sort of walking for eight years. Yeah. And now she's at That's, the Olympics. Geez. So no big deal. Yeah. Um, but then four years later, she comes back to the 1960 <gasps> Summer Olympics and she is determined to get the gold. Um, which don't you worry about that because Wilma <laughs> Rudolph <laughs> goes ahead and she she does it. You can actually watch YouTube clips of no. her running, and it's so amazing. Can we put it on because, our Instagram? Absolutely. Okay. Because she's coming around the track, and she hits the straightaway. Don't worry. I did a little bit of track in high school. I was not good at it, but What's I've got some lingo for you. I don't that know is about when it. you come around the curve, and there's just that straight right out in front and that's of like you. When you when that's like your the end, right? Yeah, it's like the last 30 years. Yes. Okay, yes. so the end. It's the yeah. straight part. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so she's doing the 100, um, which is mostly actually just straight. And you just okay. see everyone get started. And she just so quickly pulls ahead oh. from everyone. I mean, there's no contest. Um, she became the first American woman to win three gold medals in track and field at that Olympics. Oh she God. won... Three gold medals broke at least three world records. I believe she won a gold medal in the 100 dash, yard dash, the 200, and then the 4 by 100 relay. And she is just like, it's, I mean, people freaking love her, right? She is bringing all of this attention to track and field for women back in America who hadn't maybe considered it, right? She's just sort of boosting it entirely and isn't this like civil rights movement time i guess 60s oh you better believe it and funny you should mention that okay but she's gonna come home right from rome she was in rome that's where the olympics were and the tennessee governor buffered ellington (laughs) who was elected as a tennessee governor name it's and i will make fun of it because he was 
a jackass, but okay. he was elected That's as Christ. a, quote, old-fashioned segregationist. Oh, Jesus Christ. Planned to head her welcome home celebration. Wilma's like, hey, check it out. I will not come to my party if it's segregated. So Rudolph's parade and banquet were the first integrated events in her hometown of Clarksville. <gasps> what? She got Boof to change his plans? Yeah, it was her freaking party, man. Oh, She's my God. Like, That's powerful. We will. Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. <sighs> she just, I loved that so much. Boof is um, like quaking in his little, I don't know. Just trousers. Just racist pants. So later on, later things about her life, um, Florence Griffin Joyner was another amazing American track and field star and she was the next woman to win three gold medals and one olympics in 1988 okay so so much so many years have passed and guess what wilma rudolph gets to see it she's still alive (gasps) and she said quote it was a great thrill for me to see i thought i'd never get to see that florence griffith joiner every time she ran i ran okay which i just cannot yeah she did so much after her career she had four kids she worked as a track coach at indiana's depau university and served as a u.s goodwill ambassador to french west africa um she also she was inducted into the u.s Mm. olympic hall of fame in 1990 she became the first woman to receive the national collegiate Athletic Association Silver Anniversary Award. The indoor track and dormitory at Tennessee State University are named in her honor. In 1977, her life was the subject of a primetime television movie. Yes. Um, But the thing (laughs) that she said she was the most proud of was her greatest accomplishment was creating the Wilma Rudolph Foundation, a not-for-profit community-based amateur sports program. And she said about it, quote, I tell them that the most important aspect is to be yourself and have confidence in yourself. I remind them the triumph can't be had without the struggle. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, Sadly, Wilma Rudolph died of brain cancer at age 54 on November 12th, 1994 in Nashville. Um, She is remembered for her extraordinary calm and her grace and... Bill Mulliken, a 1960s Olympic teammate of hers, said she was beautiful, she was nice, she was the best. But I have one more quote from her that I loved so much that I want to end on, which is her describing what she loved about running. And she said, quote, I loved the feeling of freedom in running, the fresh air, the feeling that the only person I'm competing with is me. And that is the story of Ms. Wilma Rudolph, the fastest woman in the world. Oh, my gosh. Well done. I just, I want to just watch YouTube videos of her running for the rest of my life. Yes, me too. And I think it's so cool. The next person to break her record, if I remember correctly, was... The other runner I was talking about. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. And so, so it's like a legacy. Yeah, absolutely. It was a legacy. And just to see her persevere, I don't know. I. She knew what she wanted to do and she knew that she could do it. I think oh, that's yeah. amazing. You know, yeah. may we all have that kind of gumption regardless yeah. what our abilities are whatever our dreams are um and also again i did not do a good job at it but i ran track in high school long distance and so it was just really cool to read about her i was like i was not like this i was skipping practice by hiding behind the hill where we were supposed to be running laps however (laughs) that's how i did sports (laughs) Yeah. yeah however um to just learn about her and her incredible dedication and this sort of quiet resolve the things that she changed just by saying no i won't do that or yes i can do that Mm -hmm. it's just so powerful people are telling you no you're like actually i'm going to that takes like a certain kind of vision yeah yeah beyond an imagination beyond what you see or hear in front of you exactly 
And also just even thinking about her having that role as a coach, like yeah. a black female coach, because it sounds like before the coaches were men. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know race wise, but like just those young girls being able to see someone who looks like them yes. in a leadership role. Absolutely. And she probably didn't have that. And so she had to create it. Well, the fact that there wasn't even a track team at her high school and someone from yeah. a college who saw her was like, make one. So make that one she, around can, this she girl. can run yeah. track and then I can bring her over here. <laughs> um, yeah, she's a real joy. And there, we'll put up mm-hmm. there. This mm. is one of the things that is always kind of luckier about having a more current special lady is there yeah. are so many videos and clips and things yes. so we can put a couple of those up um i am so excited yeah i i love her uh yeah i feel good caitlin i feel like my mood has lifted i feel so like glad. special lady day has brought me back around yay and yeah. i have a proposition for us to conclude I'm on so excited not to rush yeah. it but I've just no, I'm had this to play idea. A game or what, do whatever you okay. want to do. I'm here. All right. It's a, it's a small request with potentially large implications. This week, oh, shit. I want to challenge you yeah. and me and anyone else that's listening to think of one area in your life where you, you have a dream, you have an ambition, you have something that you've been wanting to achieve, and you just feel like everyone's telling you no. I'm going to quickly mm-hmm. say as an aside, I'm not talking about pursuing people who are telling you no, because that's a conversation about consent. And when they say no, <laughs> you're not going to go for Context. it anymore. Context. But, yes. you know, you're like, I really want to try out for a play, but oh my God, my parents think I'm terrible yeah. at acting. Whatever it is, whatever you maybe have limited your own self with, maybe you're the voice that are, is telling you, no, I can't do yeah. this. I want you to pick one tiny thing this week, and I want you to look that thing in the eye and say... Actually, yes, I can do that. And then we're going to report back at the next special. Yeah, okay. I have something in mind, actually. It's really small, but I've been putting it off, so I'm going to do it. I love it. Okay. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, can I um, get a little sappy with you for a second? Absolutely. But I feel like the origins of this podcast started by you and me doing that. Yes! Because you and I took a improv class. A sketch workshop. A sketch comedy (laughs) workshop. I am not an actor. I am not a comedian. And you had just called me up one day and you were like, oh, let's go do this sketch comedy workshop. And it was one of these things where you like learn what's I had. I was like, I don't know what sketch comedy is. We wrote it that day. (laughs) And yeah, and we went. And then by the end of the night, you're performing in front of people who have paid to be there. Oh, so terrible. Um, And you and I did that. And I think that's how we met Chad. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Because I met him right after that. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like suddenly I was in this like comedy green room and like I was just like, what is this life that I have no context for whatsoever and how I don't act. I don't know what to do with my body. And I remember choosing a role that I didn't have to have lines because I was so worried about not remembering Aww. them. Um, but anyways, we did that, and out of that experience, you kept doing it, because I wasn't in Bellingham right. at the time, but you kept doing it, and that's how you met Chad. Yep, and now here we are. Now here we are. And it's the best. came together. So, well, just do it. And yeah. trust your friends that push you into things. That's right. Trust your friends that push you into that not podcasts. Like dangerous situations. Don't trust those like, friends. Yeah. If they're like, oh, let's go do this thing, and you're like, that's outside of my comfort zone. security comfort zone in like an emotional way and not a physical way exactly don't um, do drugs yeah just do it trust but them do podcasts <laughs> just That's... do fun projects where you're like i don't know if i can do it and it's like maybe you're actually really good at it or maybe you'll meet exactly. someone cool and then like three or four years later something will happen something you just else. don't know exactly um yeah you could be us you right could... now really tired so excited <laughs> so alive um yeah no this, did turn my friend upside down. Well, good. What about you? Well, look, you can see it. Uh, oh, looking mm. at each other. And you can see what direction yeah. it is. Well, Caitlin, uh, thanks for being the special lady in my life that pushes me to do things, even when my brain tells me no, no. Oh, back at you. Okay. And so um, before we sign off, just a quick reminder about um, our social media stuff. 
stuff you can follow us actually the big thing is um wherever you listen to this podcast if you could do us a huge favor yeah. and just give us a review and also um rate us that really helps other people find us and so like yeah. with the algorithms and how it works the posts that have the most stuff or no sorry the podcasts that have the most reviews and ratings get like boosted and the other ones don't which is kind of weird because you think the right. ones that don't need to be boosted That's more anyways um so if you can just take a second and do that that would be great for us also um right now our facebook just has a really weird like internet trash bot so feel free to jump in there it's cool cause yeah five stars but it's just from nonsense so if you want to go in <laughs> and give us a real review that would be cool there Mostly just so that's not the first thing that pops yes. up. We would do it ourselves, but that would look worse. Um, so, okay. So, yeah. So, social media. We're at, at Special Lady Day on Instagram and Facebook. Yep. Um, oh, I haven't checked Twitter maybe since maybe since we talked about it last time. Um, how... Bow, if you follow us on Twitter, we will give you a shout out on our next episode. Yeah, hey, why not? Yeah, and also that will give us an excuse to check. Basically, what we're saying is you could be famous. So all it takes is to follow us. I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll reply to you. We should have like a Twitter next next month. Let's do like a Twitter challenge or something. Maybe you and I can like each write a tweet a day or something small. Uh, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, so, yes. It, it basically, if you really want somebody to listen to you, follow our Twitter and comment us because no one else is there. Yeah. Um, it's this really good audience uh, for Yes. You. Our email address <laughs> is specialladydaypodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Definitely email us. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, email us. Here are the things. You should email us your lady ideas. We want to yes. hear them from you. Um, uh, if you're like, oh, they should totally do this person, we will read it and we will yes. look at it. Or if you have any questions, we will respond. Yes. Um, so you can communicate directly with us there. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, you nailed it. You really did that. That was amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Caitlin, you're a pretty important special lady in my life. So, uh, you know, thanks for being you i guess you as well you are such an important special lady and i know we said this earlier but i feel like both of our moods have risen a million percent yeah um that's what friends do so thank you you're a special lady in my life thank you and thanks to all of our listeners for being the reason that we're in a better mood right now you are special people okay take care of yourself out there do it it's a hard world you gotta be kind to you and probably everybody else probably okay All right, Caitlin, bye. Bye.